The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. As Babylon 5 has an early warning system to detect possible attacks, we at the Ministry of Peace have created a system of our own. We call it the Night Watch. Raise public awareness, make them start thinking about peace, about the way they treat one another. As the name implies, you must also be watchful. Peace can be made or broken with a gun, a word, an idea, even a thought. Now those who work against peace sow the seeds of discontent. They plant false stories, they undermine the public good. It's not because they are necessarily evil, it's because they don't know any better. They're rejected, they're unhappy, and they lash out in the only way they can. So if we could be made aware of these problems as they occur, then we can find these people, we can talk to these people, we can embrace them again in the arms of society, while at the same time protecting society from misinformation and harmful ideas. Welcome everyone. It is Thursday, November 19th, 2020. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing, it's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be in the wake of outright censorship of the President of the United States himself, an outraged public and electorate has begun to react in a dramatic way, and in a way that I think is a big step in the right direction. I'll tell you all about it right after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform and visit us at www.justrightmedia.org where you can access all of Just Right's social media links and our archived broadcasts. And let me take a moment to express our sincere thank you to those of you who have made a donation to Just Right Media because, as always, your financial support is appreciated and put to good use. So the big step in the right direction that I was referring to is all about a mass exodus that apparently is perhaps reaching a crescendo as we speak. A crescendo of people more and more abandoning mainstream media and seeking viable alternatives to the corporate legacy propagandists, I guess I could call them. And the precipitating event of this particular exodus was the Trump administration's allegations of election fraud, or more to the point, the media's reaction to his allegations. Even Fox News has apparently joined the dark side as its viewers ponder where they'll have to go to get uncensored and open information and opinion. So despite what you may read or hear in the mainstream media, the U.S. election has yet to be decided, and that's the reality of the situation as it stands today. So I thought that while we're all waiting for the real results of the U.S. election, it might do well for us to use some of that time to inform ourselves and educate ourselves about those aspects of the current conflict over electoral fraud. There's a lot of complexities. And these will all end up being discussed by those in the know. And of course, never mentioned by those in mainstream media. Now last week we discussed Trump's road to victory over election fraud. By even mentioning that such fraud needs to be challenged, Trump was immediately censored by the mainstream and social media alike. Now always remember this principle. 
The only thing that ever gets censored is the truth, particularly where politics is involved. And I've watched and experienced this principle in action myself right from the front lines. So when mainstream media censors Trump from citing election fraud, we then know that we have evidence that Trump's assertion is correct and true. Democrats had long ago announced their intentions to reverse their own predicted Trump landslide victory on election night. They said so themselves. And they also said that they would add ballots for Biden to the vote count after that landslide became apparent. And they would do this through mail-in voting, of course. And this is exactly what happened. And we watched it all in real time. Naturally, the mainstream media, being the key and leading component of the election fraud, is outright denying that any such fraud exists. Their role in the fraud extends to far beyond a refusal to report on the self-evident voting irregularities. It also extends to a refusal to inform Americans about the Joe Biden-Hunter Biden scandal, a refusal to inform Americans about Trump's remarkable accomplishments, and a history of flooding the social fabric with fake news about everything from climate change to coronavirus cases. Now, whether a vote is stolen through outright criminal fraud at the ballot box, or whether it is stolen because a voter himself has been utterly misinformed by the fake news media, causing him to vote against his own principles or interests, the theft is no less real. Here's a disgraceful example of fake news media taken directly from my print copy of the November 7th London Free Press and written by longtime Free Press contributor Larry Cornies. It was written as if Joe Biden has actually won the election and as a sort of obituary of Trump's presidency. And the headline reads, Divided America must struggle to rebuild its democracy. And I quote, Whatever else history records about the presidency of Donald J. Trump, it will offer a vivid, well-documented study in just how easily a democracy, even one as old and durable as the United States, can be unraveled. Trump's authoritarian impulses, contempt for presidential norms, incessant lying, more than 20,000 falsehoods to date, as counted by the Washington Post, coercive narcissism, petty vengefulness, environmental carelessness, blatant racism, and unrestrained ego all run counter to what we should expect from the holder of the highest office in the world's most powerful democracy. Trump's bizarre self-centeredness and contempt for democratic conventions are worthy of an anti-hero in a graphic novel set in some alternate universe. Ooh, wow, <laughs> just like the one in Corny's head, let me tell you. But he continues... Even a deadly pandemic, which has killed more than 233,000 Americans so far and grows more serious by the week, is of less concern to Trump than his own kleptocracy and the market gains that he can amass for himself and his wealthy supporters. Though Trump has had the rare privilege of appointing three Supreme Court justices in four years, his contempt for the rule of law, its conventions and instruments, like subpoenas, have been on regular display. Trump's presidency has illustrated that the most serious threats to the American project, two and a half centuries old, might come not from foreign adversaries, but from reckless actors within, specifically a self-absorbed chief executive enabled by a party too intimidated by his populist base to rein in his excesses. 
rather than ardently pursue the more perfect union described in the preamble to the U.S. Constitution, Trump has unapologetically stoked the smoldering fires of racial tension, inequality, and income disparity. End quote. Now, not a single word of what I just quoted from Larry Cornes is true. Pure, unadulterated, 100% fake news. Larry Cornes, London Free Press, all the way up here in Canada. This is the kind of journalistic excrement that readers of that paper are being fed daily. Expressions of pure, unadulterated hatred and rage without a single example or justification of anything written. It's simply disgusting. And then there's the National Post November 7th commentary by John Iveson that continues the fake news narrative. Biden must make peace within tribes, reads the headline. Once again, assuming Biden is the president, and this time explicitly rejecting Trump's claim of significant election improprieties. Quote, Donald Trump's desecration of American democracy in his Thursday evening press conference from the White House briefing room was typical of the way he governed for four years. Even Republicans found it hard to watch their standard bearer claim that the election was being stolen because of undisclosed shenanigans. Even as he faced defeat, Trump was following his game plan, lobbying grenades into our deepest social divides, in the words of American journalist Ezra Klein. The 45th president is apparently prepared to unleash tornadoes of chaos rather than admit the election is lost. Trump didn't create the polarization in the United States, but he exploited it to his own advantage, deepening existing disharmony by governing as the leader of a faction rather than of a nation. Some men want to watch the world burn. Trump's response to the increasing likelihood of a Biden win has been nihilistic. One day soon, Trump will have to give up his bully pulpit in the White House, an act that will, by itself, lower the volume. In contrast to the president's attempt to delegitimize the democratic process, Biden has said under his presidency there will be no blue states or red states, just a United States of America. The healing has begun. End quote. Jesus, this is so nonsensical that it defies all reason. Evidence that the writer understands less than nothing about the natural political polarity of left and right, or any of the implications of that reality that can never be changed or denied. And the blatant lying continues unabated and oblivious to the facts in the pages of the once illustrious National Post. Again, no specifics, no evidence, no examples of anything he's saying about Donald Trump. And consider that when he dismisses Donald Trump's allegations of electoral impropriety or whatever, he is, by doing so, telling us that he knows, therefore, that there's no such evidence and that Trump is therefore lying. And if he knows that, why not tell us that? You can't just come out against someone's assertions and say that you know it didn't happen. Has he not yet learned, over the four years previous, that Trump follows through every time he makes such allegations, and he's always proven to be the one that's right? Larry Cornies and John Iveson should be ashamed of themselves, along with the rest of the mainstream of BS media. So you can readily see why those of us who rely on accurate information and something more closely resembling reality are increasingly looking for alternative news sources, which have a proven track record of accuracy and not of fallacies. And we have to come to accept that the mainstream media is the enemy of the people. 
So that's why we have to look elsewhere for the friends of the people, who can only be found in the growing wave of bloggers and YouTubers now emigrating to a myriad of other social media sites and news networks. I've been watching dozens of these folks announce their plans to diversify their platform presences, and I'm glad they're doing so, given all of the unconscionable censorship being wielded by the likes of YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Many of them are abandoning YouTube before YouTube abandons them. And on the grander front, Donald Trump has given his endorsement to Newsmax TV, a source I have to, I have to admit that was quite new to me until recently. In addition to Newsmax, I've recently been introduced to NTD-TV, which stands for New Tang Dynasty, out of New York, OAN, One America News, Rumble Video, which I understand originates in Toronto, and I saw a video featuring Randy Hillier and John Robson on odyssey.com recently. And that's just the tip of a very large iceberg of sites and news sources that are relatively new to me, if not necessarily to you. And of course, I regularly follow at least 70 or so other alternative news and commentary sites. I just tried to add them up. And that, in addition to the sources I follow that would be considered mainstream media, like the many newspapers I cite on the show or the newscasts from the mainstream that we play from time to time. And in case you haven't seen it yet, Check out the great conversation between our own Robert Vaughn and Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson that was released on Just Right's YouTube channel this past Monday. And I loved how Laura Lynn pretty well summarized the media challenge that lies before us when in her discussion with Robert she concluded that, quote, tracking down the truth is just right, end quote. And towards that end, let us introduce you to this sampling from Newsmax TV and Greg Kelly's report of November 12th. Welcome to our new viewers. A lot of folks are talking about Newsmax TV these days. We appreciate it. Thank you. Welcome. And even thank you to the president of the United States, who's been retweeting us left and right lately, urging folks to leave Fox and come over to Newsmax. So again, welcome and thank you, Mr. President. That was very nice. Uh, why is he doing that? And why are people coming over here? Well, you may have heard we have not yet called this election. You know why? Because it's not over. There are lawsuits. There are recounts, all kinds of litigation. Why should we call it? President should not concede. He's pursuing every avenue available to him as he should. There is very reasonable suspicion of all kinds of shenanigans out there. I think ultimately he will prevail. If he doesn't, he doesn't. We'll report that. But right now, this is still an open race and we'll treat it accordingly. Now, too many in the media, I don't know what it is about them. Their heads get so big, they don't want to report on history. They want to make history. Quite frankly, that's not part of the job. That brings me to Fox. Fox News, Democracy 2020. Fox News, Democracy 2020. A couple of things. You know, they called Arizona way, way, way too early during the campaign. They had all kinds of polls that showed the president behind, too far behind. Wasn't actually true. Got me thinking to that word democracy. When I was in sixth grade, it's one of the few things I remember from sixth grade. I learned about the pharaohs and we learned about the ancient Greeks. And the word democracy, the root of it is demo, demo, the people, democracy, 
the people decide these things. Not media elites, not pundits on TVs, the people. And the people have spoken. Let's find out what they actually, actually said. Doesn't that sound reasonable? Okay. Because I'm kind of tired of being censored and having content that I want to see be censored. Why are so many places doing that? Big tech, we know about that problem. But again, with the Fox, this happened a couple of days ago, but when I finally sat down and caught it, wow. We want an honest, accurate, lawful count. We want maximum sunlight. We want maximum transparency. We want every legal vote to be counted, and we want every illegal vote to whoa, be counted. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I just think we have to be very clear. She's charging, uh, the other side is welcoming fraud and welcoming illegal voting. Unless she has more details to back that up, I can't in good countenance continue showing you this. I can't in good countenance. She's talking about maximum transparency. Um, what does he think he's, we're going to do if we hear that information? Jump out the window, uh, burn things down? Some people might, who knows, but I mean, it's just not their call. Very, very strange decisions being made over there. And they do have significant ramifications. Um, right now, Joe Biden is pretending to be the president-elect. And it's a little bit sad because deep down, I kind of have the sense that their side is worried. They know they haven't won this thing fair and square. That's my sense. I'm just watching the body languages and watching their tempo. I mean, Joe didn't do anything today. He didn't do anything. He had a, a phone call, I believe, with the Pope. I mean, it's like he still has a lid on his president election phase or whatever they want to call it, uh, the transition phase. Again, he's not the president-elect. The electors will decide that uh, next month. And uh, you know what else really bothered me about this uh, phase? Hunter Biden. Did you see how quickly he came out to see his father on election night? Or when was that? Saturday when they had that celebration, which may or may not signify anything. There's Hunter. I understand firstborn son or no, I guess he's second born son. But anyway, big moment for the family. But there were so many questions about Hunter. He was essentially in hiding. Joe didn't face any questions that we were all thinking, but he somehow was on the debate stage and wasn't asked about that laptop, wasn't asked about Burisma, how they got away with it, and there he is, like it's dinner time. <laughs> Something uh, very, very strange. We were let down. So back to Joe. He's maintaining a schedule like he just completed two terms in office, and he's calling it a career. He's not a man on the move at all. Do you remember when Donald Trump was president-elect? All right? He was meeting with everybody. He met with Kanye West. Huh? Remember that? Kanye West. He also met with, uh, let's see, Mitt Romney. He met with all of his, all of his enemies. He did. That is unifying the country. There he is with the New York Times. At least he tried to. Meanwhile, Joe Biden, he talks about it. He just talks about it. Like the president said, all talk and, and no action. And again, serious, serious lack of energy. Um, I think something's up. I really do. And He's even less confident than he used to be, and the energy, it's not there. We've seen this before, but I don't know. I think it, it's, there's something even more disturbing about it now. Very strange. Office of President-Elect, it's a sham. He's not the President-Elect. But remember, lying and deception, they do come very, very easy to Joe Biden. It's happened throughout his career, 
And I still don't understand why the mainstream media has let him get away with it. Um, but let's face it, not only Democrats want Donald Trump out, so do a lot of those top-tier swamp Republicans like this guy, Carl Rove, Turd Blossom. Uh, that's not my nickname for him. That's his buddy's nickname for him, George W. Bush, some Texas thing with cow dung and flowers, whatever. But that was his nickname. And he wrote in the Wall Street Journal that uh, it's over for Donald Trump. And the mainstream media took the bait. Carl Rove making it clear in the Wall Street Journal there's no evidence of fraud that would overturn the election. Even Carl Rove wrote tonight that, quote, this election result won't be overturned. Carl Rove, remember him? He penned an op-ed saying this is over. Carl Rove, of all people, just came out with an op-ed saying this race is over. Just stop right. it. They should all just stop it, really. Uh, Carl Rove, of all people, like, you know, he's a good Republican. He would not go against Donald Trump. He hates Donald Trump. I'll get to that part in a moment. First, I'm going to tell you about my beef with Karl Rove. He was one of the architects of the Iraq War. He read a few books about the Middle East and thought it would be a great idea that we'd be greeted as liberators. He helped the president plan it. He helped sell it to Congress. And to this day, he thinks he did not make a mistake. I spent a lot of time in Iraq. If you added it all up, it's there for about a year. I'm on the right without a helmet. And uh, I knew before, during, and after that the United States had made a terrible, terrible, grave, tragic, strategic mistake. And you know who else knew that? This brings it back to Karl Rove and Donald Trump. Um, and there's Karl Rove with David Axelrod. These guys are all about money. There's Karl Rove, the conservative, and uh, David Axelrod, the liberal who works for uh, Barack Obama making money together. It's all about money in the swamp. Um, but this is why Karl Rove really hates Donald Trump. It involves Iraq and it involves the Bushes. In this case, Jeb Bush. Karl Rove is totally devoted to the Bush family. And uh, when this happened, it was over between Karl Rove, I don't care what he says, and Donald Trump. Obviously, the war in Iraq was a big, fat mistake, all right? Now, you can take it any way you want, and it took, Je it took Jeb Bush, if you remember at the beginning of his announcement, when he announced for president, took him five days, he went back, it was a mistake, it wasn't a mistake, took him five days before his people told him what to say, and he ultimately said, it was a mistake. The war in Iraq, we spent two trillion dollars, thousands of lives, we don't even have it. Iran is taking over Iraq with the second largest oil reserves in the world. Obviously, it was a mistake. So George Bush made a mistake. I remember that so well when it happened. The clarity, the force, the boldness. Nobody spoke about that. It was the elephant in the room that nobody ever brought up. Yeah, I actually remember that moment myself. Kelly's sense that Democrats are really worried seemed to echo my own statement last week when I referred to Biden declaring himself to be president-elect as an act of desperation, because it really is. 
And it begs the same question I posed last week. If you're so confident that you won, why not be gracious about the process and let it play out, especially if you believe you've honestly won the vote? Now, shortly I'll be playing an audio bite from Bill Whittle's Stratosphere Lounge video of November 12th, wherein he is referring to a study released by three statisticians and mathematicians called The Unfortunate Truth About U.S. Voting Systems. That video was released two days earlier on the 10th by Dr. Shiva Ayadural, Benny Smith, and Phil Evans, who together conducted an analysis of Michigan votes, completely based on the official vote totals as they were published on the official voting sites. Dr. Shiva identified as a Republican candidate in the election, while his two partners identified as a Democrat and as an Independent. Whittle referred to their study as the smoking gun, as absolute proof of voter fraud as generated by the Dominion vote counting machines. I'd consider trying to play his audio description and explanation of how the official vote patterns demonstrated fraud, but it was far too long and drawn out and reliant on visuals to make that practical for our purposes today. But I'm sure you won't have any problems finding both his November 12th video and the growing number of video presentations now talking about Dr. Shiva's original study. But here are some basic points that Whittle focused on in his own analysis of how the votes are tallied. The voting machines used to tally votes in the disputed precincts were produced by a company called Dominion, based right here in Canada. They're not the first of their kind, nor the first to do what these machines do. The Dominion machines are both a printer and a scanner and can be accessed via various inputs and outputs going either directly online or via USB flash drive. Already problematic. After a voter votes using a paper ballot, it's not his or her paper ballot that gets counted, but the scanned photo of that ballot that gets counted. The image itself becomes the official ballot, and a quote-unquote ballot image must be kept by law for 22 months, although they were found to have been destroyed in several instances after they were counted. And by the way, this sounds exactly like what happened in Canada's Conservative Party, which uses the same machine to count internal votes back when Maxime Bernier lost his leadership bid to that party. The public was told that the ballots were destroyed, which we now must understand to mean the electronic images were destroyed, and all kinds of voting fraud was alleged by both Bernier and other members of the Conservative Party. Boldly labeling the Conservative shenanigans as corruption, Bernier, of course, then founded the People's Party of Canada, and the rest of that chapter is history. Now, in the study of Michigan, four precincts were selected, and three of the four, where the Dominion machines were being used for tabulation, all revealed a precise linear deviation from the normal voting pattern. The statistical odds of vote patterns that were measured in the affected districts is zero, said Whittle. And in the fourth precinct, Wayne County, where votes were counted by hand, no such deviations or patterns resulted. But here's where it gets even more interesting. And I'll let Bill Whittle take over from here. People talk about things like um, the, the software, uh, Dominion, and so on. So how does, how, what does this actually happen mechanically? This blew my mind more than just about anything. I don't know if you knew this or not. What these guys told me in this, in this video, which again I'll link to, he said that going back to 2001, the first electronic voting machines were Diebold, and they came out in 2001, right after the 2000 election. And Diebold was the first, and then all of these other companies started getting into electronic voting, and Dominion is just one of them and probably the most popular one. 
I hope you're sitting down because I think this was more disturbing to me than the statistical analysis. But from the first, from the first time that electronic voting was implemented in the first Diebold voting machines, provisions were made in the software to weight the vote. And what that means is you could make an adjustment in the software to say that if you got a vote from a black person, you would count that as two votes. The argument being that since blacks don't vote as often as whites, all you have to do is sample the blacks that do vote, and then you can extrapolate that number out. That weighting algorithm is built into all of these things. And, and so it's, it's not like they have to add code to it. You can basically dial in the vote and say, well, this neighborhood is much more heavily black. So any votes that we get from this precinct, we're going to count as double. And any votes that we get from this white precinct, we're going to count as half. It's not one person, one vote. It's built into the software. Now, it can be turned on or off. I don't know what the case is with that. But the fact is, it's built into the Diebold software, and it's built into all of the software. You can weight the vote. You can say, well, if it's, if it's a black precinct, since fewer people are showing up, this is the argument these criminals use, we're going to count every black vote as one3 three votes. And every white vote, we're going to count as 0.7 votes, just to make it fair. So the mechanism for doing the weighting is in there. It's not like you have to write new code for this. They've been prepping this for, for the whole four years. Will Trump leave power? Will Trump leave the White House if he loses the election? Well, what they're going to say is he lost the election. It's going to go to the Supreme Court. They're going to say that's why he loaded up the courts, that he could cheat himself out of, uh, uh, cheat the people out of, of, the, of the will of the people. And we're going to hear nothing but this. But I think we're going to find this kind of thing in virtually everywhere. And the most important individual piece of data here, let me see if I can go back and find it again. The one that really, really does matter the most is this one. This is Wayne County where they did not apply the algorithm for whatever reason. Maybe they didn't own the uh, particular election official in Wayne County, or maybe the guy just forgot to turn on the cheat button. For whatever reason, this appears to be a normal statistical analysis, the kind of thing that you would see. But the thing that's so striking about this is, again, I'm, I'm generalizing. I don't mean to generalize, but we have to speak in a language that the left speaks in. The further left you go on this chart, the smaller the percentage of Republican votes in this country, in Michigan. That means inner city neighborhoods with a higher proportion of blacks. But the thing that's so incredible about this data, this uncorrupted, the one of the four counties that's uncorrupted, is that the poorer people get, the more support for Trump there is. All of those blue dots above the line are indicating that on some of those things, I mean, you look at some of those dots, the highest dot there, I see 60%. That means that in this relatively poor neighborhood that's getting maybe 7% total Republican votes, it's 93 to 7, but of the 7, many of those votes, 60% of them, are coming from former Democrats. Which means that, I think, I, I think what it means is that is that if we see these patterns across the country, and I'm sure we will, it means that Trump won by a huge landslide. And that when I say the beauty, there's nothing beautiful about this. But what the software is designed to do is to say the bigger the landslide, the more votes we shift. Right? You can't just shift. This is why this is why it looks like this is why it's it's feasible. Okay?
Breaking news now. Dominion voting systems say they categorically deny any and all of President Trump's claims that their voting machines caused any voter fraud in key swing states or electoral fraud. But reports contradict that claim. In 2016, a senior executive at Dominion told the Illinois State Board of Elections that it is possible to bypass their election system software. Here's what the vice president of engineering at Dominion at that time, Eric Coomer, told the board during a meeting in good old Cook County. No, we are not allowed to do routine updates without having to go through a recertification effort, um, but we do uh, routinely give guidance on how to best secure systems. And also going back again to the, the, the final um, mitigation against all of this is a robust auditing canvassing process, um, which all of our jurisdictions have implemented. Coomer said no updates can be done without recertification, as you heard. Mr. Coomer's assurances of a secure system, however, are contradicted by the fact that various vendors, election officials, and others reportedly can access the voting machine code without an update being required. And we know that there were updates on those machines a day before the election. Well, joining us tonight is Sidney Powell, a member of President Trump's legal team, General Flynn's uh, defense attorney, a great American and prominent uh, appellate lawyer. Great to have you with us, Sidney. Uh, let's start with Thank Dominion. You, uh, a, a, str a straight out disavowal of uh, any uh, claim uh, of fraud against the company, its uh, software or machines. Your reaction? Well, I can hardly wait to put forth all the evidence we have collected on Dominion, starting with the fact it was created to produce altered voting results in Venezuela for Hugo Chavez, and then shipped internationally to manipulate votes for purchase in other countries, including this one. It was funded by money from Venezuela and Cuba, and, and China has a role in it also. So if you want to talk about foreign election interference, we certainly have it now. We have staggering statistical evidence. We have staggering testimony from witnesses, including one who was personally in briefings when all of this was discussed and planned, beginning with Hugo Chavez and how it was designed there, and then saw it happening in this country. As soon as the state shut down on election night and stopped counting, those are the states where the most egregious problems occurred. We also need to look at and we're beginning to collect evidence on the financial interests of some of the governors and secretaries of state who actually bought into the Dominion systems, surprisingly enough. Hunter Biden type graft to line their own pockets by getting a voting machine in that would either make sure their election was successful or they got money for their family from it. Well, that's straightforward. It may take, uh, you're going to have to be quick to, to go through and to produce that investigation and the results of it. Uh, the, December, uh, the December deadlines are approaching uh, for electors, and uh, just as we saw in uh, 2000 with Bush v. Gore, uh, how critical are those deadlines and how urgent does that make your investigation and discovery? 
Well, for fraud this serious, I think even if the states are stupid enough to go ahead and certify the votes where we know the machines were operating and producing altered election results, if they're stupid enough to do that, then they will be set aside by the fraud also. I mean, we are talking about hundreds of thousands of votes. President Trump won this election in a landslide. It's going to be irrefutable, and we are, patriots are coming forward all, every day, all day, faster than we can collect their information with the testimony they're willing to give under oath about how their votes were stolen and how the machines operated. They were updated the night of the election, sometimes after the election. We've got statistical evidence that shows hundreds of thousands of votes being just put in and replicated. There needs to be a massive criminal investigation and it's going to affect millions of voters and elections. With these allegations, these charges, is the FBI already carrying out uh, an investigation of these voting companies uh, where their servers are domiciled? And in at least two instances, three instances, uh, we know they're in foreign countries. Uh, tell us where the Justice Department is in all of this. Uh, I wish I knew. I'm not on the inside, so I'm not privy to that information. I know that even Democratic senators and congresspeople for years have reported problems with this system to the FBI and to the government, and nobody's done a blooming thing about it. The people in the election security part of Department of Homeland Security need to be fired yesterday. They're absolutely ridiculous. Of course, Chris Ray needs to be fired, too, because the only FBI interview of any witness was to intimidate him and try to get him to change his truthful testimony four hours by an anti-Trump FBI agent. They still have politics infecting the FBI instead of just following the law. We are on the precipice of this is essentially a new American revolution. And anybody who wants this country to remain free needs to step up right now. These are federal felonies. Altering a vote or uh, changing a ballot is a federal felony. People need to come forward now and get on the right side of this issue and report the fraud they know existed in Dominion voting systems because that's what it was created to do. It was its sole original purpose. It has been used all over the world to defy the will of people who wanted freedom. Sydney, at the outset of this broadcast, I said that this is the culmination of what has been a, over a four-year effort to overthrow this president, to first deny his candidacy uh, uh, the election, but then uh, to overthrow his presidency. This looks like the effort to uh, to carry out an end game in the in the effort against him. Uh, do you concur? Oh, absolutely. And it's uh, it's been uh, organized and, and conducted with the help of Silicon Valley people, the the big tech companies, the social media companies and even the media companies. And I'm going to release the Kraken. Well, good, because this is, uh, this is an extraordinary and, uh, and such a dangerous moment in our history. Uh, I really am very concerned uh, for the country. Uh, I am very concerned for all Americans. I, and I have a feeling that most Democrats are first Americans and not Democrats. They have to be as alarmed as any one of us. Uh, Cindy, we're glad that you are on the, uh, on the, on the charge. Uh, to straighten out all of this. It is a, a foul mess, uh, and it is uh, far more sinister than any of us could have imagined, uh, even uh, over the course of the past four years. You get the last word, Sydney. 
It is indeed a very foul mess. It is farther and wider and deeper than we ever thought, but we are going to go after it, and I am going to expose every one of them. Sydney Powell, thanks for being with us, and thanks for all that you're doing. You're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. And that was Fox News' Lou Dobbs in a November 14th conversation with lawyer Sidney Powell. Now, you have to be pretty confident to conclude that President Trump won in a landslide in the way that Powell appeared to be. Now, of course, she's on the Trump team, and we would expect anyone on the Trump team to speak positively and optimistically on his behalf. And were it said in a vacuum, I just might dismiss it. But I've already arrived at that same conclusion myself, very independently, based on the narratives and evidence we've been presenting since Trump was first elected in 2016. And of course, Bill Whittle arrived at the same conclusion himself, a conclusion he believes was solidified by the Michigan study. And just wait till you hear more evidence from Steve Crowder and the gang that we'll be featuring in a few minutes. But here's yet another controversy that's about to arise out of this. It concerns that person mentioned in the Lou Dobb report, Eric Coomer, whose voice we heard in testimony before a committee. Got this item sent to me, and it's from the Gateway Pundit, and the headline reads, Denver business owner, Dominion's Eric Coomer is an unhinged sociopath. His internet profile is being deleted and erased. And this is by Jim Hoft, published on November 16th. Quote, in 2010, Eric Coomer joined Dominion as vice president of U.S. engineering. According to his bio, Coomer graduated from the University of California, Berkeley, with a Ph.D. in nuclear physics. Eric Coomer was later promoted to voting systems officer of strategy and security at Dominion. Coomer has since been removed from the Dominion page of directors. In fact, according to our interview with Denver native Joe Altman, Eric Coomer's presence is being scrubbed from the Internet. Altman, the founder of FEC, Faith Education Commerce, United, revealed how he infiltrated Antifa and how during a conversation with Antifa members, he discovered, quote-unquote, Eric from Dominion, who was allegedly part of the chat during the week of September 27, 2020. Altman told TGP that Eric was telling Antifa members they needed to keep up the pressure, quote-unquote, when one of the callers on a September group call asked, Who's Eric? Someone answered, Eric, he's a Dominion guy. Altman said that as the conversation continued, someone asked, what are we going to do if effing Trump wins? Altman paraphrased how Eric, the Dominion guy, responded, don't worry about the election, Trump's not going to win. I made effing sure of that. Altman, who runs a Denver data company, started to investigate Eric from Dominion, quote-unquote, following the call, and came upon Eric Coomer. Altman admitted that it didn't make sense that Eric Coomer would be the Antifa member on the call, and at that time, he knew nothing about Dominion voting systems, end quote. In a series of patents on voting machines that was brought to my attention, Eric Coomer's name appears as one of the inventors on no fewer than a dozen, which are granted and pending, and are assigned to Dominion Voting Systems, Inc., I've already seen evidence of this story breaking out on other sites and newscasts, and it just goes to show how immense and multidimensional all the fallout of this election fraud investigation actually is. This is just one of thousands of instances and connections like this. When Lou Dobbs said that this is far more sinister than any of us could imagine, that was an understatement. But here's the point. 
Now we're imagining it, at least those of us with our eyes open. Already, Sidney Powell has been releasing explosive evidence about election corruption so deep that it literally calls all elections ever determined by election machines into question. She's now reported that everyone and their pet rock is trying to stop her, including some around the president, in her conversation with Mark Levin on November 16th. This will change millions of votes, she told Levin, and she confirmed exactly what I myself observed on election night, namely that the Trump lead was so huge that the cheating states just had to shut down, and at that moment, as I said, the fraud was begun in earnest. Which we now have learned includes going back over the already cast ballots and reassigning them. Can you imagine that? This is so huge It almost competes with the COVID-19 scam and all of our politicians who are participating in it. What a cesspool of swamp creatures, I'm telling you. Trump called it right again when he said that the swamp needs to be drained. Now you might think that with all this automated cheating going on, that that might be enough to steal an election from Trump, right? But no. On November 11th, Kayleigh McEnany released a 234-page PDF of sworn affidavits pertaining to election fraud. And here's Stephen Crowder and his gang discussing that document on November 12th. Okay, so let's get into the Michigan affidavits here. Um, I know this is boring for some people, I understand, uh, but uh, I want to make sure that you understand exactly what is in this document, what matters, kind of some of these things are tough to read. So first off, this was introduced by um, Quite the Dish, Mm. Kaylee McEnany, uh, yesterday. Uh, Here you go, this is her announcing it. We keep hearing the drumbeat of where is the evidence? Right here, Sean, 234 pages of sworn affidavits. These are real people, real allegation, signed with notaries. And then she was immediately cut off. (laughs) (laughs) It's 234, 235 pages of sworn affidavits. Uh, I want to go through what I think are the most notable. Uh, f- first off, uh, Half Asian Bill, can you explain to people what a sworn affidavit is and why yeah. it matters? Why it's not sure. just, ah, I think this election is bad. Right. <laughs> it's a statement under oath. I mean, a lot of people have had to fill them out, uh, you know, where you go to the bank or you go to a, a notary and that person is a witness. They take down your name. They do the signature. So you have a record of making sure it's a long process. It's been around for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're now doing some digital signatures, which is the electronic version of that. But essentially saying, like, there has to be a penalty if we're going to rely on these words. It's the central yeah. part of how the legal system works right. is that you can trust that someone isn't going to just put false information in a statement. And so there are two different systems. You have the state and the federal. At the federal level, uh, the penalties are wide-ranging depending on the circumstance, but you could generally have about up to five years in federal prison and that's for, for perjury. So no, yeah, perjury applies to sworn right, exactly. affidavits just like being under oath in court. It does. I mean, when you are making an under oath statement in writing in an affidavit, it is the equivalent of sitting on the stand with a judge there yeah. and making a statement, again, under right, oath. Yeah. So in the state of Michigan, which is where these affidavits are from, they actually have even more strict penalties. It can be up to 15 years and it's a felony. So wow. you would have to believe that these to believe that these affidavits are false, you would have to believe that someone was willing to give up not only more than a decade potentially of right. their own freedom, but also all the other things that go along with being a felon right. and the rights that you lose. There are many, there are many, many hundreds to- totaling well over a thousand affidavits. Yeah. Across. These are just from Michigan. 
These affidavits are uh, very detailed as to what yeah. these people saw taking place. So let me give you one here. Um, this is from page 17. The PDF is available to everyone. We'll have the link up here. Uh, on page 17, someone said that there were batches of ballots run through the ballot machine as many as five times. This is a direct quote. Ooh. At approximately 4.50 a.m., I witnessed a man spraying a chemical on a ballot machine. He then placed 27 ballots into the machine, and I noticed tape on the top of the ballot where a ballot number would normally be. Throughout the night, I witnessed wow. him insert these, na- these same 27 ballots at least five times. What? Legal or not, Half Asian Bill? Sounds sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> nice yes. edge. You like, that, you like that lawyer answer? But, uh, but, he, but, oh, but and if any, the thing is, there's yeah. so much. If any of this is incorrect, if they can prove is incorrect, this person is in trouble. Yeah, love it. Here's another one. Uh, this can be found again on the PDF. I want you all to read it. It probably take you a couple of hours. On page 25, page 116, page 122, page 138. Page 158, page 185, we have over six eyewitnesses testifying that ballots not in the voter database were just entered using a fake birth date of 1-1-1900. Oh, wow. wow. Why would, it's just a terrible date. Six so separate obvious. witnesses. <laughs> All right, here's another one. Uh, this is from page 37. Uh, regarding mail-in voting. Uh, Poll watchers observed mail-in ballots being logged even when they had no signature or weren't a registered voter. Again, you can find this in the PDF on page 37. We have seen this happening uh, across, or many sworn affidavits across the country. Again, all of this is just Michigan. There are also numbers coming in that there are disproportional number of ballots that just had Biden and Harris, and I can't verify this, but it hasn't really largely been disputed, where it's just Biden and Harris and not the rest of the ticket. Nothing else, which is very, very weird. Well, and one of these, this pisses the signature thing pisses me off more than just about anything else because that was what they assured us would be the backstop. They said, no, 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 mail in ballots are fine because we can check the signatures, right? And that will be fine. And just to just to go, well, eh. this is from page 107. A poll watcher saw poll workers duplicating ballots to incorrect precincts uh, in order to run through two ballots for one person. And uh, they said that they observed this repeatedly about 20 to 30 times. So of all the different allegations, Mm -hmm. this is one of the ones that I think is uh, is a very much like there's no there's no innocent explanation for that. How would you not want to investigate an election where you had a 6000 vote slip just to flip? And they go, well, we caught it, so the system works. Well, hold on a second. You caught it in one district, and you're claiming it works. I would prefer that it didn't happen at all. Seems it's an yeah. oversight that 6,000 yeah. votes were miscounted for the wrong guy entirely. And we also have another, in Michigan, a Republican who conceded. And then they found out, actually, you won by 1,000 votes, which in that district is a lot. Yeah, exactly. That's a significant margin. This happened just, just those two examples. Wouldn't that warrant an investigation of every vote in the state of Michigan? I don't understand where they get the no evidence claim. They can not like the evidence. They can not like what they're seeing and think maybe it's not going to change the right. overall. But there is evidence yeah. that stuff happens. Oh, irrefutable evidence. Yeah. Here's another one. This is from page 172 of the PDF that is publicly available. And I, uh, good th- the, Go look at it, yeah. The good thing about the Green New Deal is everyone could read it because it was five pages. It was mm, written by a right. functionally retarded person. Um, this is a little bit tough because most people don't want to comb through 235 right, yeah. pages. Sure. So, You've got to right, pass the president yeah. before That's you can read, right. it. read it. And when you always hear the left, they go, well, we're the party of nuance. You're, you, you were going to take over the economy with five pages. And it was double-spaced. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was double-spaced. And this is 230. <laughs> Four and you don't have any interest? Don't tell me the party of nuance. Come on. Come on. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, this is page 172. 
Um, a poll watcher examined a box of ballots and found 60% or more had the same signature. Hmm. <laughs> what? That's totally normal. Again, we need to investigate this, what? but this is a sworn affidavit right. that, that comes I mean, from someone in Michigan. That's something that hand counting with supervision will find. Exactly. That's think so. why they don't want it. One of, the, one of the actual problems with the multiple signatures that are the same, though, is you can only know that if someone notices it. If you have a right. thousand people counting and you have the same thousand signature, one for each person, yeah. you may not yeah. realize And it's really it, hard man. to notice if the entire voting precinct is an arena covered in Bristol boards. Right. Yeah. yeah you're <laughs> right. County or you're like right. 60 feet away, you know, from that. That's, like, there's uh, some of this, really too. Difficult. You just have to put two and two together. Uh, right. It's like, wait, they're, pl- they're putting up wallpaper on glass. Yeah, <laughs> especially when you're supposed to be Detroit. <laughs> observing what's going on behind that glass. But also the guidance that they were given, Bill, the guidance that says even if the signature doesn't match, even if it doesn't have a signature, even if the postmark isn't clear, even if it is after the deadline, go ahead and accept that. Go ahead and say that that is a legitimate ballot. Can't we go back and find that? That's illegal conduct to say, guys, go ahead and do it, even though that's against our state laws. right? And I think that's what they're right. alleging happened in Pennsylvania. And a lot of folks on the on the left, like folks who are just openly, they support Biden, they go, we need to count the votes. They're like, yeah. just let the, pro-. like, I don't want to have to answer to someone and say, mm. oh, we just won yeah. because we shuffled it under the bed. Yeah. But that is not what you're hearing in, like, on CNN. They're like, I'm looking around and seeing these headlines, but none L- of Less than half of America believe Biden won. People don't understand yeah. that. Exactly. Yeah. There, have, there have been several polls that have come out to that effect. Yeah. And people are like, just count. And I go, yeah. I, I go, exactly. I go, you. that's the kind of stuff you need to be telling other people. They're like, but everyone around me is saying, this is America. Why aren't we following the law? Like, right. why, yeah. why are we stopping following the law? Let's just count the votes. That is a big question, isn't it? <laughs> why not? Given just what we've heard today on the show, what will really be remarkable is how the mainstream media will continue to avoid all of these realities. I mean, they're endless. Realities about the Dominion software and electronic voting, the thousands of legal affidavits, the statistical analyses, the continuing resistance to ballot investigations. I mean, a lawyer on Trump's legal team publicly suggesting that criminal investigations should be launched. And to say nothing of the stakes involved in the results, from what some are saying is a massive landslide for Trump versus a narrow victory for Biden. You know, it's hard not to notice that all of the resistance to any kind of voting accountability is coming from the left and from the Democratic camp. It's hard not to notice that all of the ballot irregularities and instances of ballot fraud all happen to favor Biden. Coincidence? It's hard not to notice that not even one case being challenged that I know of exists where a Republican appears to be benefiting from the alleged fraud. It's hard not to notice that all of the censorship originates from the left and from the Biden camp. That's an absolute. It's hard not to notice that all of the insistence on wearing masks and keeping the economy shut down originates from the left and from the Biden camp. It's hard not to notice that all of the street violence and rioting originates from the left and from the Biden camp. I mean, just compare any protest against the shutdowns that may include from thousands to millions without any property damage or violence 
with a Black Lives Matter or Antifa event consisting of relatively few people and you get all the looting, violence, and burning everywhere. It's hard not to notice that people in streets crowded with violent BLM and Antifa supporters or people celebrating their imagined Biden presidency are not accused of spreading a virus nor penalized. They're celebrated. It's hard not to notice that peaceful protesters against lockdown fascism are being accused of spreading COVID and often find themselves the victims of arbitrary arrests and fines. But the mainstream media will always do its best not to notice and not to let their readers become informed voters. This is where the mainstream media has become the enemy of the people. When the media cuts off the president from speaking and his staff, it's not just the president whose freedom of speech they are disrupting. It's yours and mine. We have a right to hear him. Donald Trump made major inroads by openly defying and identifying what he called the fake news media, and that has become a worldwide phenomenon. So let me suggest that Donald Trump has made a similar inroad by identifying another worldwide phenomenon, fake election results. Every country will now feel obligated to review its electoral process, and citizens will be demanding that elections be open and accountable to all. That's what I see happening in the future as a consequence of all of this. And single-handedly, once again, Trump towers above the rest. So right now, it looks like we may soon be able to expect some pretty interesting drama emanating from the upcoming court challenges to ballot irregularities. And it'll be difficult to determine at this time which of the many instances of evidence and affidavits will find their way into the courts or how the courts will ultimately rule or, to borrow a phrase, how they will weigh the evidence. A lot of that going around lately. And as always, we will be following these and other developments with great interest as we invite you to join us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. With the court's permission, sir, I would like the witness to be seated over there. Hogan, uh, did I or did I not have a conversation with you two days ago concerning Colonel Bussey, Colonel Burmeister, seated over there? Yes, sir, you did. Uh-huh. And uh, at that time, did I indicate to you that there had been conversations with these men at uh, Starlock 10, Starlock 19? And that these conversations would continue here at Starlock 13 the next day, which uh, would be yesterday. Yes, sir, you certainly did. Aha! And did I divulge to you the nature of these conversations? Yes, sir. Take down every word of this, Ron Hilda. This is most important. <laughs> now, did I tell you that Bussy and Burmeister had formed a plot against General Burkhalter, that they were going to discredit him, and that they were going to oust him? How's that, sir? Uh, Hogan, please try to concentrate. Did I not tell you that Bussy and Burmeister were forming a plot against General Burkhalter and that I was playing along until I could uncover their sordid scheme and report it to the general? No, sir. The answer is yes, Hogan. Let him give his own answers, Clink. Hogan, did I not tell you that... that, that 
What did I try to do? You tried to get Bussy and Burmeister involved in a plot against the general, but they turned you down and threatened to expose you. Hogan. Isn't that what you wanted me to say? <laughs> you have said enough, Hogan. General Burkhalter, I give you my word, I never talk to Colonel Hogan about this at all. What am I saying? I have no idea, Clank. What I have to say will be brief. Tomorrow, you will be shot. <laughs> oh, my dear. <laughs> Gee, these courtroom things are kind of tricky, aren't they? 